Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Ho, ho, ho. It's our early Christmas edition, everybody. Yes, Christmas is in the house. It feels like it because we're all about maximum value today in the credit card game. We want to clue you in on how you can get lounge access, airport limo rides, free hotel nights. As we debate which credit card should those of you earning over $120,000 know all about at the end of 2023? Apparently, we're talking about Primarily the same cards this year as last year when we look at this 120,000 segment because there have been no new entrants to the market since DBS launched that Vantage card back in 2022. But some cards have received a makeover. So has there been one that has stood out for my guests? We'll find out which card will get you the best ROI if you're earning between, I think, 120 and about 150,000. And then we're going to switch gears and we'll ask, is a major overhang in the crypto markets easing up? And then we'll end off the show with stocks that pay you a dividend you ought to know about. Joining me on the show to talk about all this and much, much more is Tim Phillips. He's founder of Tim Talks Money and he's got a great ebook out there. It changed my miles game. You need to buy it. It's called Chasing Miles. Good morning, Tim. Hi, good morning, Michelle. Yes, thank you. Uh, thank you. I'm glad you I'm glad you've uh, you, you sort of found a new uh, sort of zest for miles chasing. I, I really like to <laughs> Sort of put that out there for uh, for listeners. Yeah, so just go to timtalksmoney.com. If you if you see the Chasing Miles ebook there, you can get a fifty percent uh, discount for using the promo code fifty miles. And I've just made it specially for everyone who's just beginning. You know, a lot of the content out there is super complicated. And yeah. I just want to break it down for people. So I give you all the best cards if you just want one, if you want two, if you want three, and. You know, just, I think, optimize your spend. That's my key takeaway for... Wait, for wait, rewind. Just, yeah. We get 50% <laughs> off today 50% if we get off. the book yeah. and we you just use like the 50, code 50 miles. Miles, that's it. That's okay, we love our discount codes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for that. You know, I studied that religiously and uh, I love it. I love the way it's written. Yeah. makes a lot of sense. And I put thank it to you. practice and yes. in a very short amount of time, I could see a huge change. In my mile glad, game. Today, you're going to up yep. our game in the $120,000 segment. Now, these are yes. nice pieces of plastic, sometimes metal, but they have yep. big annual fees. Tim, what, what is the a compelling reason to get any one of these cards? That's the thing. So, I mean, I lay it out in my book, right? With, for, for miles chasers, you really want to optimize your spend by putting your, your all your spend, as much as your spend as possible, on specialized cards, right? Like I was saying, there's mm-hmm. one for online spending, there's one for pay wave spending. But then there's cases where maybe you've got a massive outlay, maybe you've got a, I don't know, $10,000 or $12,000 bill, maybe it's a, it's a big outlay and you can only put it on a credit card. Maybe in that, in that way, because those specialized cards have caps, it might be good to have a card that is got a better general rate where it earns maybe 1.4, 1.5 miles across all different categories. Beyond that, the premium segment or the 120k segment as it's more commonly known it offers a lot of benefits uh like airport lounge passes unlimited passes if you're going to changi if you want to visit and if they have a network across asia or across the world that you can go and 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 relax before your flight they also have dining discounts 
and they have, I guess, the, the, the prestige factor in there as well. But it is pricey, as, as you were saying. It's, it's expensive for what you're getting. Um, but if you do pay that fee, the annual fee, which is non-waivable, I'd like to clarify that for the 120K segment, I mean, mm. it's not something that they're willing to waive the banks. Whereas with all the other segments, that all the other cards that you're getting at the entry level, mm. it's very easy to waive the annual fee as long as you just call in or you just go onto the app and you can just you can just waive that fee and it's quite it's quite straightforward so i think for the actual benefits of these these are more as i was saying focused on on perhaps airport lounge passes a lot of them like the uob visa infinite or the hsbc visa infinite and dbs vantage they have free lounge passes in the uob visa infinite case i think it's unlimited in terms of your in terms of your lounge visits uh, plus you can bring one guest in what um if you're talking about yeah Love but that. i think it's but it's it's across you know there's priority pass and there's i think dragon pass as well so oh. there are lounges that are common across the region but maybe not as nice as maybe the business class lounge in Singapore business class lounge at, at Changi, right? The Silver Chris Flyer Lounge, which is which is very nice. But if you're nice. flying and you're not flying Singapore Airlines and you're not perhaps PPS, then it's good to go and find a, a lounge that you can relax in. And so they have a lot of lounge passes for uh, for card holders. I think for the terms of miles earning, this is where I am not as big of a fan of the 120K segment because mm. I think there are lots of entry-level cars that are actually as good or maybe even better, better than a yes. lot of the cards that you're finding. Yeah. Mm. So if you're actually getting a card for the actual earn rates, the best one out there that I think is in terms of if you want the earn rate is the DBS Vantage because that gives you 1.5 miles per dollar on local spend. So that to me is the best local rate. In this segment, and thinking, right? In this segment, right. yeah. And that's uncapped, right? So mm. that that's uncapped. Whereas I think in the entry level, the best one is the UOB PRVI uh, miles, which is 1.4. So it's actually just only marginally better than the UOB entry level uh, visa card. And you're just getting 0.1 miles per dollar on top. But in terms of the annual fee, it's something close to $600 for that, for the annual fee for DBS Vantage. So it's a, if you're thinking about just miles alone, there are lots of very viable options in the entry level space that you can, that you can look at. But if you're thinking about, Lounge passes, if you're thinking about dining discounts, for example, the HSBC Visa Infinite does 50% uh, dining discounts on a range of uh, hotel restaurants, for example, like the Singapore Marriott Tang Plaza. They have the Crossroads Buffet, the Wanhao uh, Chinese Restaurant, the Asian Market Cafe in Fairmont. So a lot of the Fairmont Singapore Swiss Hotel Stanford restaurants under that under that umbrella, uh-huh. you'll be able to get 50% off when dining uh, at those places. But oh. I think it's, it's very specific to hotels or to specific outlets. So if you're not someone who eats out at the hotel or you're not someone who dines out at, at particular restaurants all the time, mm. then it can be, it, it might not be much of a value add, right? And these all these cards, the lowest, Pricing for one of the top one twenty segment one twenty k segment cards. I mean, the, the the least your the minimum you're probably going to be paying is at least five hundred dollars per year, um, and it can go up to close to six sixty six seventy uh, per year, right? So mm. it's not something to be taken lightly when you apply for it. Um, I would highlight one the UOB Visa Infinite card, which actually has improved since last year. They it's had an upgrade in terms of its miles earning rate, but that just brings it back up to the entry level UOB PRVI. So it gives you 1.4 miles on local spend and then 2.4 miles per dollar on overseas spend. Um, but the key thing for the UOB Visa Infinite mm-hmm. is 
that you can actually earn miles on hospital spend or you can actually earn miles on education spend, which on most cards, nearly all cards, is impossible to earn uh, miles on because nowadays a lot of the banks and credit card companies assume that if you're spending on hospitals or if you're spending on education, that's not a, that's not discretionary spend. Right? You need to spend on that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. so pretty much that's been excluded from all miles earning potential for most cards. But the EOB Visa Infinite, allows you to earn miles on that. So that's something to think about if you perhaps need to pay a big bill at the hospital, if you need to pay bills for, for education, um, that could be something that you could think about or that you could uh, consider. But as, as I was saying, I think it's more about the lounge visits. It's more about the, um, it's more about the, the sign-up bonuses. It's more about the, the whole, I guess, putting it, if you have big, ticket items that you need to put on, mm. then maybe you could consider getting it and you could get a free night at a hotel. I know DBS Vantage offers uh, upsize, I think it's accelerated, uh, accelerated pr- uh, Accor, uh, sort mm. of your, your membership tier. And I think you get one free night at a, an Asia Pacific um, hotel of uh, within that network. So I think there are some benefits to it, but you really have to make use of it and you really have to follow what your, you, you really have to, squeeze out every benefit from from the, the list because you are paying the annual fee. So if you're not getting it back in the value that you think it's worth, then I, on the whole, I'm not a huge fan of the 120K segment because at the entry level, if you're thinking about just miles earnings potential just on the miles basis, yeah. that's just a lot that's a lot better and it's you don't have to pay money for it. <laughs> so, so I think that's the key. It's, it's, you don't have to pay money for the honor of, of, of getting those miles. So with um, with the 120K segment, you have to be really using the lounge passes a lot. That has to be something that is a, is a key sort of proposition for you. And you also have to be eating at specific restaurants or you have to be really getting those free nights uh, at worth that you, that you think you can at hotel stays as well. Yeah, otherwise you've pretty much paid for those privileges. If you yeah, paid six hundred ish yeah. a year, a year, and yeah. think about it, GST is going up next year. Yeah, it will be nine percent, so yeah. they add an extra percent on there. So mm. it's something that they don't, and they also don't waive. So it's it's not something you can call up the the customer service officer and say you negotiate with them. They just will not waive these annual fees for these this segment of the card, like this card in this segment. Did you look at Bank of China at all? I've heard terrible things about Bank of China oh. uh, in terms of the process being just absolutely ancient. In terms of uh, processing. In terms of, in terms of processing, yeah. That. Processing hmm. and getting the miles and, and just making oh. things very convoluted for you. Oh. I think the problem with smaller banks, maybe on the on the scale of Bank of China, is they don't have a big presence here. Maybe they haven't got a lot of manpower. Maybe they're not very digital. Mm. Uh, they might be digital in China, but then when they come overseas, they they they, they operate on snail mail and, and everything's paper based. And so I've not I've not been reading or hearing the great the greatest things about about Bank of China. I know that they did have a very good Air Miles credit card maybe two years ago, but yeah. they've basically destroyed the the value proposition for that over the past. 24 months or so. So it's not one of the cards that appears in, in, in the top list for most people who are who are chasing miles nowadays. So on your list is the UOB, was it the... Visa Infinite? Metal card? No. Yeah, UOB it's a metal Visa card. Visa Infinite. Okay. Infinite. Yeah, so that, but that again is, is it's around 648, including GST. So that's not 650, including GST. You do get 25,000 also. I, I would add up for these 
for all these sign-up bonuses you get, you usually get something added in terms of free miles or, you know, quote-unquote free. It's not really free. You're paying the annual fee. But yeah. you get maybe 25,000 miles, 30,000 miles um, for your, when you join. Okay. Um, and the UOB Visa Infinite, if you know about pooling of points, which I go into in, in my ebook, is mm. it's really important that mm. if you have different cards with the same bank, that they pool all your bank points together so you can cash out in one go, right? Otherwise, you're trying to redeem on one card. I mean, uh, banks like City, Citibank and HSBC, if you have, say, 10,000 miles in one card and then 5,000 miles on another card, you have to pay two different conversion fees to get those miles out of those cards. Whereas with banks like DBS and UOB, they pull everything together. So if you're earning, uh, you know, however many 10,000 miles on one card and maybe 15,000 miles on another card, they put that all together so you can cash out in one go. So that's something that is key with, with the UOB Visa Infinite is that you actually don't even, if you just link your Air Miles, uh, your Chris Fly uh, account to the UOB Visa Infinite, you, can, you don't actually have to pay a uh, conversion fee. So the conversion fee normally when you convert your bank points to Air Miles is $25. That's the yeah. standard. Mm-hmm. Um, and they waive that. So, I mean, if you have mm-hmm. a collection of UOB cards already and you, you, you tend to convert a lot on a regular basis, then maybe that's something you'd want to consider. You could, you could make it up by saying, oh, I want to convert every month or quarter and you have that card and it won't cost you anything, right? So mm-hmm. I think that's, that's the key. Um, that's something else that I think is, is a positive for anyone who has UOB, other UOB credit cards. Very important points because mm. I was going to ask, you know, d- <laughs> is what we're talking about today going to square with what you've shared in your book? As in, yes. you already have an entry it level, will. you will be it card, will. you know, does it make sense yeah. to then get a metal yeah. card? But you just covered that beautifully. All right, yeah. so we must, must move on. But again, the card, um, if you want to beat this card game, I think the smartest thing you can do is study strategy. So pick up Tim's book, yep. 50 Miles, I right? I make it easy. Chasing Miles, go Chasing to timtalksmoney.com. It. Uh, it's there at 50 Miles. and, and 50 it's, Miles uh, is the code, everybody. It's the code. 50 mm, Miles mm. is the code. Chasing Miles is the book, and it's got everything you need, off. and it lays it out for you so you don't have to think. I think that's the key. It's too much thinking <laughs> a lot of time with this stuff. So I, just, I, want, I want listeners and whoever reads it not to think so much. I Love lay it out it. there for everybody. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for crunching all the yeah. ratios of miles per dollar for us. I really appreciate yes, that. Yes. Fantastic. All right, yes, let's talk yes. about Binance. No surprises mm. that I, I saw that you said the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange. You were not surprised uh, that Binance was responsible for helping launder money for yeah. various terrorist organizations. Mm. But listen, if we look at how outflows from Binance have stabilized, I thought it might be time to ask if this major overhang for the crypto market, uh, whether or not the world's largest crypto exchange might be soon put out of business, whether this overhang might actually be going away. What do you think? Mm. I think that there's two sides to it, right? It depends if you're an optimist or if you're if you're a pessimist. If you're an optimist and you think that there's that they they got this fine now, they've been fined 4.3 billion dollars, and and CZ, you know, his step down, uh, the CEO and the founder, um, then maybe there's more regulation coming. And I think regulation would be a good thing for a platform like Binance. Clearly, if you look at what's happened and all the charges against Binance, Absolutely. the lack of regulation has really has really uh, it's sort of encouraged this sort of behavior and why wouldn't it? Right? I think there's no shackles on, on these types of businesses and then they allow allowed to do whatever they want. But if you're a pessimist and you think this is the end of, you know, of crypto and this, this shows what an utter fraud this whole industry is, then maybe this is, it, it would just collapse. But I still think there are people out there who believe in this. I mean, people who are crypto enthusiasts are very, very passionate about it and that's, that's fine. That's, everyone has their own view, but they've been, there's a, there's still a lot of, 
there's still a lot of engagement in this asset class, even though it's plummeted however much over the past two, three years. But you've seen Bitcoin, for example, has recovered. It's back up, above, I think, above $38,000 recently, yeah. where it was a low of you know, sub-20 um, maybe last year. So there, this is an asset class that I think is going to stick around. Whether Binance is going to be a part of that story, it's difficult to see them going away completely because even today they still make up around 40 to 50% of crypto trading by volume, which is absolutely enormous, right? So I think taking that away and, and, and having to maybe if you're going to regulate them out of business, maybe that would happen. Mm-hmm. But I, I see it more likely as they will probably step in line with with regulations that they that they see fit. Um, I mean, CZ already stepping down is, is, is a step. I think he's most likely going to be sentenced to, they, they're saying less than two years in jail, even though the, the maximum could be 10. But it looks like he struck a plea deal, I think, with the Department of Justice in the US. Mm. But this is something that they were looking to already regulate a lot more heavily after the whole FTX blow up. You saw that. And I think it really got the SEC going and, and Gary Gensler at the SEC, head of SEC, has, has really taken a very negative view of, of mm. the unregulated space in crypto. And, um, and, and and SBF, you know, I think they were they were always looked at as rivals. I think Michael Lewis described it in the, the recent book. He, he described SBF as the Luke Skywalker of, of crypto and, and CZ as the Darth Vader of crypto. I think that's just a little bit of hyperbole I've heard. I haven't read the book personally, but I've heard that he's been very fawning of SBF in that book. And, and his, you know, altruism and then that whole that whole that whole belief that he's giving back and SBF was giving back when in reality it was total fraud. So I think it's not it's not being helpful to the cause because you've had the two biggest crypto exchanges just turn out to be one is, is a complete is basically uh, was a Ponzi scheme. And then the second is, is been laundering a lot of money. And I don't think that's been a surprise because we already know that criminals and a lot of terrorist networks are using are using crypto to launder money because it's not traceable and it and, and it's difficult to it's not transparent right for for government agencies and for things and if you want everything to be decentralized it really is it's perfect for money laundering and perfect. i think that's one of the yeah. reasons why binance withdrew its license uh to be an exchange here in singapore because i think the ms had problems with the mm. fact that they couldn't they couldn't uh, secure the um, or they couldn't give the regulatory authorities here confirmation and security that they were able to understand where the money was coming from. So and you don't so, think more countries are going to move the way we've, we've seen the Philippines, for example, just moved this week, yeah. saying it's going to block access to Binance. Yeah. Um, you you don't think more countries are going to follow suit, and then th- that this will be a big blow for Binance. So I think it will. Yeah. It will depend on whether Binance sets up. I mean, it, it's already a very dodgy institution because it doesn't even have a, a headquarters, a registered headquarters. Like, Cayman I know they Islands, based, yeah. Yeah, they're based in China. Then they moved to Japan. Now they're Cayman Islands, but they don't actually have an official physical headquarters. So I think now that CZ has stepped down, it will be interesting to see what they do and how they proceed. Because if they if they start working with regulators and they start trying to figure out where they're going to be based permanently and have a home and and try to step in line with the regulations that are out there, then maybe they could survive. But I don't see them going away completely because, as I said, they make up nearly half of crypto trading volume globally. Mm. So it's difficult to see them being completely wiped out. And if they are, I don't know who would step in in terms of – because if, you had, if you've had FTX go under and then now you've got Binance with, with these issues. And I think it's more sort of a whack-a-mole with – 
with crypto, right? If you say, I'm going to ban it here, it's going to show up somewhere else. The money is going to go somewhere else. Or there's going to be, an, there's going to be a jurisdiction that's going to be welcoming to it. You've seen that in Singapore. A lot of, there, I've heard stories of people moving to, to Dubai because there's a more open uh, crypto environment there. Yeah. So I think there are some people who are involved in the crypto industry moving from Singapore and moving from other places to Dubai because they're, they're opening up and they're, they, they want to nurture the crypto industry. Great and point. so I think mm. it, it, depends, it depends on which jurisdictions are going to be welcoming mm. and which ones aren't. So I think Philippines, obviously China is not going to be welcoming. So I think that's something that's been very obvious for a long time. Um, mm. And so I think it depends on it really depends on the on the regulatory outlook and which countries are open to it. But I, I, I do think Binance will survive. I just don't know. Uh, it could be anyone's guess in what form we see it in, in, say, 12 months' time. I'm glad you brought up a great book as well. Uh, Michael Lewis has been on this show and he's oh, got a great book cool. out called Going Infinite. Mm, and that yeah. is about him speaking from the perspective of speaking. actually having met Sam Bankman. Right. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a great yeah. book, that one. Yeah, yeah. I've heard, I've heard it's a very, it's a very, um, it's a good book. And I think there's another Bloomberg journalist who's also come out with a different uh, a book about SBF as well, which is a very different take. Mm. But I think he was right. I think Michael Lewis, I heard, was writing the book while, uh, I mean, before everything blew up with FTX, before it became obvious that it, it was it was a fraud. So I think maybe that has a, it, it, it may may have colored the, the, the context or the tone of the book for, for a lot of readers. But nevertheless, it's a very good though. book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they talk about mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. No, okay, well, uh, we just have a couple of minutes left on the clock and so much more still to talk about, yeah. Tim. What dividend right. stocks are you looking at? Dividend stocks, yeah. So I'm, I love dividends. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of cash flow, of, of getting your returns and companies sharing their returns with you, as anyone should be. I think it's, it's always been a, uh, a passion of mine. I think in Singapore, we all know the big banks. We all know the, the REITs. I mean, they're very good areas for anyone who's who's passionate about investing and wants and wants regular income. I think those are not anything crazy, you know, new ideas. So I'm someone who really likes to look internationally for for dividend ideas and thinking oh. about overseas and and mainly the U.S. You know, the U.S. is is a market that is very underappreciated. I think for dividends, I I hear this argument a lot out there in the investment world. Oh, you. You've got to pay 30% withholding tax. So right. that means I don't, I'm not going to invest dividends at all for, for the U.S. It's a waste of time. And I think it depends. I mean, if you're a retiree and you need the dividend income now or in the next maybe five years, then I, I think that's a very fair point. You you want something stable. Maybe you want to REIT and you want a, a bank that gives you 5% and it's tax-free. I totally get that. But if you're younger and you have a time horizon that's longer than, say, five years, 10 years, and you're investing and you want to, you want to build up a position – I think it's much more key to focus on the dividend growth rate, the rate of the growth of that dividend. And I think in the U.S., you find a lot of companies, they can grow their dividends very, very, very fast. They can grow dividends at, say, you know, 15, 20, 25 percent CAGR compounded for 10 or 15 or 20 years even. Right. Which is something I think is very, very rare and very hard to find in Singapore, because if you think about REITs, REITs more function as a yield play, which is they give you five, six percent, which is great. But they're more stable, and they don't grow their they don't grow their uh, dividend that much. They might grow the dividend maybe two three percent per year, so that barely keeps up with inflation. And then if you think about total return as well, this is something else that I I'm very passionate about when I think about dividends. Is I, I really look at the total return total of the return. stock, mm. at, which is the the share price appreciation mm. versus the actual dividend yield, right? Because if you think about 
a lot of these maybe certain REITs that have got I don't know eight nine percent dividend yields. What is the total return over the over the past two three years? It's probably been negative, and so you want your principal to grow, and you also want your you also want your dividend to grow, and then that is going to help you offset the tax in future. So in the U.S., there are lots of there are lots of companies that have managed to grow their their dividends at you know very strong rates. I mean, Starbucks is one example. It's, mm. it's, it's a very global business, a global brand. It started paying a dividend, I think, in 2010 or 11, and it's been able to grow its dividend since then at a rate of around 20% per year. And so it's it's something that is not widely widely appreciated, maybe because if you had bought Starbucks shares, I think, in 2009 or 10, just after the global financial crisis, it would have cost you maybe nine or ten dollars, and then. If you think about the dividend that they're paying today, if you think about the yield on cost, which is basically what is the cost of, uh, you know, what's the yield that you that you get today based on the price that you paid in in uh, in sort of 2009, it can be upwards of it can be upwards of uh, sort of like you know 20 percent in in some in some instances. I mean, Starbucks today currently pays about two dollars and two dollars twenty cents um, annually in mm-hmm. terms of its in terms of its dividend. And if you think about that from ten years ago when the share price was ten dollars or, or or less, and now the share price is a hundred dollars and they're paying a dividend. So you've got that share price appreciation, plus you've got that dividend. And so I think that's something that, yeah, which doesn't get taken. And that 30%, it's it's just the cost. I mean, it's the cost of entry to find the businesses that pay that, the dividends that grow that fast. So if you can take out the... The, the yielders, the high yielders in the U.S., which I, I agree with, if you're going to invest for yield and you're buying, a, I don't know, AT&T or, or, or one of the telecoms in the U.S., which yields 4 or 5%, but you're paying 30% tax on it, there's no point, right? You may as well just buy Singtel or DBS here and get it tax-free because they're not growing their dividend. So what I tend to focus on is focus on lower-yielding names, which mm-hmm. maybe yield 2 to 3% or less, but the dividend 25% consistently, and that really not off that dividend withholding tax of 30% and take it out. Mm-hmm. So I think it's good to have that mentality when you think about dividends is, is have a have a comprehensive portfolio. Don't just have U.S. Uh, dividends. Don't just have Singapore dividends. You know, have both, I think. And you can find a place for both in your portfolio. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, that's, the, mm-hmm. that's the key that I really wanted to highlight. Look at the dividend growth. Really focus on the business, the cash flow, yeah. and the addressable market. And okay, we must leave it there. I'm so sorry. I'm riveted. I'm at the edge of my seat. And this is such good stuff, Tim. But we have to, um, I think we have to have a whole other show on this because we must must break for the news, Tim. We love talking money with you. If you want to find out more about his uh, books and his thoughts, head to his website, timtalksmoney.com. Tim Phillips, my guest this morning. Thank you so much, Tim. Thank you. Thanks so much, Michelle. Thank you. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.